Hey there, this is Bo James, and on behalf of the Wix Church of the Nazarene, I just want to say thank you for joining us. I believe there is something for you in this message, and I pray that it will help you grow your faith. Enjoy. Turn with me this morning, Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. And I'm digging all these babies in this room today. Can we just not have service so I can just, like, hug babies? Elon was great yesterday. One of the few men in the room yesterday. He braved us. And he got them cheeks pinched, I bet, a lot. Because I kept pinching those little cheeks. He was so cute yesterday. So, so cute. Romans chapter 4, verse 1. Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. What did he discover about being made right with God? If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have had something to boast about. But that was not God's way. For the scriptures tell us Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. When people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they have earned. But people are counted as righteous not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. Over to verse 13. Clearly God promised to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was based not on his obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship with God that comes by faith. If God's promise is only for those who obey the law, then faith is not necessary, and the promise is pointless. For the law always brings punishment on those who try to obey it. The only way to avoid breaking the law is to have no law to break. So the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift. And we are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses. If we have faith like Abraham's, for Abraham is the father of all who believe. That is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Lord, this is your word, alive and active. And may it change us today because of who you are, in Jesus' name. So if you're reading the devotion for Lent with us, maybe you read this morning's already today's devotion And one of the stories that shared in there was of a woman who had talked to the author of this devotion at church one day, and she had come down ill, and she said, you know, I'm I'm sure that I got sick because I forgot to put my little green Bible under my pillow last night. Now, we kind of giggle at that thought, right? Because you're thinking, well, that's just superstition, right? But before we laugh too much at it this morning, let's think about how we too can fall into similar things if we're not careful. We live in a transactional world. What does that mean? That means that we believe that you get what you pay for or what you work for, right? If I go to McDonald's and I give them money, I'm expecting food back for that money, right? If I go to Walmart and I load my buggy up, they're expecting for me to pay for that buggy of groceries. Trust me, try walking out with it. <laughs> we live in a transactional world. You get what I'm saying. Like we, we go to work, we, we have a job, we get a paycheck. Even think about what we teach our kids. 
They're all in children's church, right? Okay. Um, we, we talk about Santa. Let's talk about Santa, right? Rayleigh, are you good? Am I, am I good with this discussion? The babies are good, we know. Dalton's good, right? I can have this discussion, okay. Anybody online, flip it now, okay. But think about what we teach our kids, right? Be good, go to sleep, don't pout, don't cry. And if you do all of that, you get something, right? And I remember it backfiring on me one year because, like, we did, you know, I'm not, this ain't going to be a plug for or against Santa. And I remember we always had a Santa gift. And I remember one year my son asked him for something that was a little out of price range. And me saying, you know, I don't know if Santa, you know, I don't, I tried to backtrack. I don't know if Santa can do that, you know. And he's like, Mom, Santa can do anything. Like, he's got a toy shop. Yeah, it backfires if we're not careful. But that's what we teach them because um, it's, it's a do this and boom, you get that, right? And again, not a pro or con about Santa. If I could go back, would we do a few things different? Yeah, we would. But it's, it's to show you, I bring that up to show you the, the thought process that we really are raised with. Because, you know, we know there comes a transition where, okay, Santa doesn't work the way we think it works. I'm still being careful in case somebody's online, right? But do we transfer that thought to God sometimes as adults? If I do this, if I do that, then this will happen, right? So the Romans had a similar problem. So... That's who we're speaking to, the believers in Rome. And they viewed Abraham as someone who followed the law perfectly. And that was why God blessed him. And we see Paul correcting that wrong theology in what I just read today. And this message, unfortunately, is still very relevant to us today. The world says... Work harder, produce more, or you're not going to get a return. Hey, chicken farmers, y'all know that ain't always true, right? Because y'all work your tails off, and somehow the return doesn't always come back to what it should. But the world tells us, work harder, right? And we can begin to believe that God somehow favors his, is based on what we do instead of just the free gift of grace. It's not always very intentionally that we think that. I think it's just something we can kind of slip into sometimes. And especially it's important to remember this during the Lent season. So if you're practicing Lent um, with us and you know, it's not something required to do. It's not uh, one of our sacraments. And, um, and it's something from, you know, even the Catholic background, the early, early church is where we draw this from. But it's such a good practice. So if you're, if you're doing this, we, we can put these disciplines into practice. Some of us are fasting something uh, for the 40 days uh, through Easter. Some of you have picked up the devotional, and, and if you've not, we've still got devotionals out there uh, in the foyer to pick up for you and for the kiddos. So if you have a kid that would like to draw and, and do things with the scriptures, there's those as well. So we have these practices we're putting into place. But we can forget and start thinking about these practices as somehow earning God's favor. 
well, wow, I'm impressive because I gave up this. I'm doing this extra reading that nobody else is doing, right? <laughs> God's going to love me a little bit more. Now, maybe we're not so snotty when we think that. But maybe that is kind of in the back of our heads sometimes. We feel like if we do more, then God will do more for us. When in fact, these practices are meant to draw me closer to God. It's not about bringing him closer to me. He's right here with me. See, the Holy Spirit, he lives in the believer. God is with us. But these practices sometimes are about drawing us closer to him. Right? And, and here's the deal. Let me remind you, if you slip on anything, it's okay. I'm going to tell this story. I didn't answer your text, Kathy. You asked me, you left me that beautiful gift on my desk and asked me how it tasted. It tasted wonderful, Kathy. No, I did not waste that. I swallowed that. I gave up chocolate for Lent. Kathy did not know that. Here's the beautiful gift, and everybody keep your eyes out for these things because I've not found them yet. She found them in Texas, I think. Um, so M&M, you know, I love my coffee nut M&Ms. You know they don't have them anymore. I may or may not still have some in a drawer at home. We'll neither confirm or deny that and how many Amazon packages it took to do that. But they have a new flavor, and it's called Caramel Cold Brew. And I showed up Wednesday, and God bless America, there was two packages on my desk. Jason can be my witness to this. We're talking. He's like, oh, you know, didn't know they was having this. Yes, I'm excited because I knew these things are coming out. I just had not found them yet. I rip it open the package and I give Jason some and I pop one in. and I'm like, that is the most glorious thing I have put in my mouth. I'm just savoring and salivating. And Sandy Cook walked in and it just hit me like a brick. And I said, oh, I gave up chocolate. <laughs> and I had not even thought about it just not even thought about it. And I said, well, too late now. It's not about my salvation. <laughs> Swallow. <laughs> so I told Jason, I said, well, you're lucky I didn't spit it out in your face. But you know, here's the deal. So you slip up. Oh, well, let God teach you about it. Because what God is teaching me through this, and I've had almost slip ups before then, that one just overcame everything is I have a problem with chocolate, and I didn't know it. Like, I eat it a lot for stress, um, and, and I reach for it a lot. And the other day, it also just reminded me that this has nothing to do with my salvation. I slipped up, and it was okay. I didn't feel bad. And I tell you what, that was actually a growth moment for me, because in years past, I might have really felt bad and beat myself up, because I would have said, I am such a loser. Like it was so simple and I couldn't hold to it. Right? Because, and this wasn't even like I intentionally thought, I don't care. I'm eating it anyway. Like, you know, it wasn't that. I simply did not think. I was so excited about having these things. So they are tucked away till Easter. I will have the best Easter ever. But if you find these people, buy them. They're great. They're great. So even in this time of Lent, we can sometimes make it too legalistic is a good word, right? 
and we forget it's a practice to bring us closer. Now, Paul is talking about Father Abraham. Sing it with me, VBS, Father Abraham. He's talking about Abraham, and he's calling out this particular thing because there's this prevailing thought that Father Abraham was perfect. He followed God's law perfectly, and that's why his descendants got so blessed. But the thinking of Paul's audience was kind of faulty, and for a few reasons. First of all, verse 13 said, uh, God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was based not on his obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship with God that comes by, by faith. Do you know why it wasn't based on the law? The law wasn't even created yet. Read your Bible. Abraham came before the law. The law didn't show up till hundreds of years later, right? So there wasn't even a law as they were thinking about it to follow. So that was the first fault. I mean, technically, Abraham is a Gentile at this point because we didn't even have Judaism, which is where the Jews, right, come from. So there was the first fault. Paul also reminds them of God's sovereignty, the fact that God can bless whoever he wants to. Right? That God can bless who... It's not dependent on us. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, you have things in your life that can bless other people, and it's up to you to decide how you want to do that, right? Like, your checkbook is yours, your things are your... Your time is yours. And you decide... God has sovereignty to bless whoever he wants to. It's not based on our works, as we like to say. In fact, let's think about this. When did you last pay for a gift? What's the last gift that you got that you paid for? I hope none, because you don't pay for a gift. When, when you have your child's birthday party, people bring a gift. You don't pay for it. It's just given to you, correct? God's grace is a gift. God's grace is a gift. And that is sometimes the hardest thing for us to really comprehend and receive. Scripture says that Abraham believed God, therefore it was credited to him as the righteousness. So the emphasis then is not on Abraham, is it? It's on who God is. It's on who God is. When I pray before our sermon and I say, God, this is your word. May it change us because of who you are. That means I don't want anything of my words remembered today. Unless it was straight from God to you. I want his words to change who you are. Paul also brings up the fact of circumcision. So if you read that little gap we skipped over, it talks about circumcision. And we see this multiple times in the New Testament where Jewish believers are trying to make Gentile believers be circumcised. You've got to do this. This is what a good Christian does, right? And so he brings that up and he says, hey, circumcision is not a way of justification. In other words, he said, Abraham didn't become righteous because he got circumcised. He was righteous because of the free gift of grace from God, circumcision became the sign, the illustration in his life 
of that belief. And so Abraham's righteousness still free gift from God. It wasn't tied to what we think of as legalism. And that's, that's what we're talking about today. When we look at Abraham as this perfect follower of the law, it tends to lead to a legalism. You got to do all of this, right? To be a good Christian, you got to do this, 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 this. And if we're honest, we kind of have those lists in our head when we look at people. But this idea began to sneak into this early church and that Christians should follow the law of the Torah. Okay, so just in case you didn't know, there's two sections to your Bible. And you've got Matthew is the division. See that little part, that's what we call the New Testament. This is the Old Testament. And this is what they would have called the Torah. This is what they would have been getting all their law out of, right? And they said, you got to follow all that perfectly. They were trying to require the Gentiles to be circumcised and, and follow other things. And this fixation on the law then leads to a legalism, right? And a, a concern with perfectionism. Well, guess what? There's 613 laws for you to follow in there. Man, I'm worried Justin can't even follow one today of speeding, so... 613 laws. Whew. That's a lot. That's a lot. And we've talked about this before. I'm like, if I can just bring up the basic 10 and we, we fail the test. <laughs> we can go through just 10 of them and fail the test. So 613. And here's what Paul is trying to say in here. He says, if salvation comes from following 613 laws... We don't need faith. In other words, if you have your Bible with you today, whether it's in paper form or on your phone, you are dismissed to leave if you think that's where your salvation comes from. Go home and follow it. There's your contract. Right? Because that's what was starting to happen in the early church, of them still trying to hold to... And let me tell you, it's not about getting rid of the law. Because the law is what? Our reflection, our mirror. It shows us why we need a savior. Because I do fail, right? I do fail when I start looking at all of that. Faith is the response of a person towards God that says, I can't do it without you. I, I can't. Like, I can't do 10 of those things perfectly, let alone 613. And, and church, we, we need to be careful because sometimes we're judging people. We're, we're picking and choosing some of those laws to judge people with. Like, we want to tell people, don't have a tattoo because that's in Leviticus. Well, guess what? You can't eat lobster either or catfish. Oops, that's in the law. Praise God, I don't have to follow that because I do love me some lobster. Right? You can't eat pork. Mm -mm, I love my bacon. You, you get where I'm saying? Like, because Jesus said, if you're going to follow it, you've got to follow all of it. That's why if you live by the law, you die by the law because it's impossible. It's impossible. So what does faith do? Faith says, Jesus, I can't do this. 
I know I've already messed up. <laughs> you see, we, we, have, we have a conviction from the Spirit already when God starts talking to us. And just as, you know, the, the Jews were trying to demand circumcision as a requirement, and I said it's not a requirement, but it is a sign. It was their sign of following the God of Abraham, Isaac. And, and here's the deal. Transformation is our sign. Transformation begins to happen in your life when you come to Jesus Christ. Like, it's inevitable. I'm so sorry to, to be the spoiler alert, but when you come to Jesus, there's going to be a change in your life. Because first of all, we come with sort of a knowledge of, here's the things I've messed up with. God, forgive me. And we want to do it different. We want to we live differently. And then this sanctification process that we talk about is just the ongoing work of the Spirit in your life until the day you take your last breath here on earth. Like you're always growing in Christ, or you should be. But we, we have a problem. We judge others who don't follow the way that we think they should, right? We judge ourselves. Sometimes we judge us harder than other people even. Because we will lay out a standard that we think we have to live up to. That's why when I swallowed that M&M, it really was an amazing feeling for me. Because I didn't feel condemnation. I just felt like, oh, okay, zip up the M&Ms and put them away and start over. That's growth in your Christian life. Even when you slip in some of the most profound ways, when you don't condemn yourself, you just ask forgiveness and get back up. Get back up. Get back up. Somebody in here needed to hear that today. Because maybe you strayed somewhere. And you've been beating yourself up. God is so gracious, he forgives. Can you forgive yourself? Sometimes it's not God's forgiveness that we need. It's forgiveness from ourself. So we can get back up. Transformation doesn't happen before. So we need to quit expecting people to look perfect before they walk in here. Transformation happens after. As you begin to grow. And the entire message of Jesus Christ is one of grace. And it started, we just finished Advent uh, for the Christmas season. And what was that? The incarnation of God himself into humanity. Emmanuel, God with us. Why? Because the grace of God loves us so much. He came to walk with us. And that's different than any religion you're going to find. That he walked with us, he died, but he lives again. We serve a living God. Even those who have grown up in the faith community. So, you know, I've been in the church 20-ish, 25-ish, 7, I don't know, ishes. There's a lot of ishes in there. Um, just under 30 years I've been in the church. And some of you have been longer. You were born probably in this church. Like, your mama ran out when she got into labor and had to run out of here. You were born in this church, right? Or a church here in this community, anyway. 
we still are susceptible to a legalistic thought of who God is. That somehow we can earn favor, earn grace. And, and what does this look like for us? Yay, I have illustrations today. And this is so fun. I know some of you moms are especially going to get this. So, anybody ever use the sticker charts for your kiddos? When you're potty training or you're just trying to... Hey, new moms, listen to this. Sticker charts are awesome. I know Riley's been using them and they work really good. I used them on my kiddos. And the way that that kind of worked is you make boxes and and you always you start out kind of small and 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 let them you know every time they go potty or whatever it is you're trying to get them to learn to do clean the room even whatever does that work for 22 year olds i may have to try that we're going back to sticker charts for al and we would make boxes right and this is going to be for their stickers and then at the end um, like I remember for like Brittany, she would get a little, maybe a baby doll or something, you know, like, um, later as, as the boxes, because I would add more and more boxes, it would be maybe like a piece of candy, piece of candy, piece of candy. And then if you fill the whole page, you got the baby doll, whatever, right? Do we not do that with God sometimes? I mean... I can't get the stickers off the page at all. Like, at all. I stole these out of the children's room. Maybe that's why. God is... I don't even know how old they are. There they go. So, so you showed up to church this morning. Good job. Good job. And some of you... I will see you on Wednesday night. Wait, I won't really this week. But good job. Good job. And, you know, uh, Dorothy, I, I saw you in Sunday school. Good job. Right? And then uh, some of you have been reading the devotion with us and you're fasting and good job. And, and you're, you're doing extra prayer time. Yay! I get this favor from God. You see, we really do think that sometimes. And you're like, no, I don't. Then why do we get mad when a prayer request is not answered? Let's be honest. Because we think, God, I've done it right. Why can't this happen? This isn't how God works. All of those things are good. I love seeing everybody on Sunday morning. Sunday is so important. It's the community of believers coming together to encourage one another to have a moment. And I used this illustration on Wednesday night. I said Sunday is kind of like halftime of the football show, right? The football game. We come together and I say, good job, everybody. Like, I know it's been a tough week and it's been rough. And I know, Dorothy, man, they rolled you over on that defense. But hang in there, baby. You got it. This week, you got it. Amen. We share a, a good message and I pump you up. 
And Wednesday night, though, when you show up, you get to dig deeper in the word. So I equated that to we show up at practice. Because if you know sports, you're not going to show up and play on that team if you wasn't at practice. Right? If you wasn't diving in, learning the plays, coach ain't putting you in. So when we show up on Wednesday nights or any other groups that we got, we're diving in to really get into the word. Like we ask hard questions. The last couple of weeks, we've actually had some hard discussions about different things of like things we may agree with, not agree with. And that's okay because that's iron sharpening iron is what that becomes. And I love that. Reading devotionals, great. Because you're supposed to. Don't just depend on me. You're supposed to be reading the scriptures, even to the point that maybe you come to me and say, Hey, Pastor, I don't get this. Let's talk about it. Okay. And I may not get it either. (laughs) We may have to really dive in. So those are good things. Fasting is a good thing because it's drawing me closer to God. It's showing me some weaknesses that I have that maybe I need to draw close to Him. But I need to come with the mindset when I pray... When I attend, it's not a sticker chart. God's grace is free. And even if you had a totally empty sticker chart, he will still forgive you of your sins today. Because think about it, that thief on the cross, he didn't have a very good looking sticker chart, did he? (laughs) Not at all. And Jesus said, I'll see you in paradise. You see, those are the the things that I need you to remember so your theology is correct to understand that somebody who has lived the cruddiest life can at the last moment ask forgiveness and we will see them in heaven. Thank God I have hope to see my daddy there. So do you understand the gift of God's grace is free and it's available to every person in this room today? And I assume every week there could be somebody sitting here, you've actually never said yes. But BJ, you see me every week. But have you actually said yes to Jesus? Have you actually said yes? I need a Savior because I can't follow 613 laws. And Paul said, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew following those laws or you're a Gentile not following those laws. The the gift is yours. The gift is yours. And you know any good gift you have to receive. You have to say yes. Stand with me this morning, church. And let's pray together. These altars are open. These altars are open. Sometimes a yes looks like a foot forward to take a knee and say, God, I surrender. And this is the perfect room to do it in because there's not a single person in this room that will judge you. This is the safest place because we all started out with an empty sticker chart. (laughs) See, that's the deal. You come to Christ with that empty sticker chart. Grace is free and it's yours today. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you that he came down into humanity to be a part of our lives, to show us the way, to show us his love, to show us who he was as God. 
And I believe he's the same today as he was yesterday and he'll be the same tomorrow. I believe that someone in here today that needs to take a knee and say, Lord, I surrender everything. And I say yes, publicly yes to you today, Lord. You're here to give that gift. And Father, I think there may be hearts in this room today that this message clicked. And we have to say we're sorry, Lord. I've been mad at you because I expected that if I did my part, you were going to do your part. But God, I may have been thinking about that all wrong. Because you've been doing your part the whole time. God, may we take a moment to reframe our minds in all these practices that we do. Even just being here this morning is about me drawing near to you. (laughs) You've always been here, Lord, but I get distracted. And so sometimes I need extra time with you. I need a, a moment of fasting, Lord, to draw me close to you. And I thank you for all of these things that we have learned over our lives. But I understand it's not about my salvation. It's about my sanctification. It's about my growth. And so, Father, I thank you for being so grace-filled. I thank you, Lord, that we're not bound under the law. Because that's a pretty heavy yoke that I can't even live up to. And I thank you for Jesus Christ that said, I forgive you. I forgive all. If we just accept the grace today. Father, I want to see transformation in this room. So I'm going to just pray this blessing over every person here. Maybe everyone listening online. That may the Holy Spirit work in your lives this week. And God, may we begin to see transformation individually and collectively. And may we see that growth in this church, which then will overflow into our community. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, I hope you've been blessed today. And as you leave this place, go be a blessing to others. Have a great day. Hey, I hope you received exactly what you needed from that message. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, or you can always find us in person if you're in the area. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can find us on Tithely. Thank you to those who support our church. I hope you will subscribe and join us on the next one. And remember, you are loved.